This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 55 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. The Amazing Roundtable with Templeton Thompson, Julie Goodnight, and Jean Lambrecht. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Visit them at equestriancollections.com. And also to Easy Signs Online, the number one farm sign company in the United States. Order online at easysignsonline.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And I'm Templeton Thompson And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show Well hi Templeton Hey, Glenn. How you doing, cowboy? Good. Well, it's good to have you back. We just had you on last week's show, and you're back already. I know. I'm so excited. Y'all like you really like me to ask me back. I'm honored. Yeah, we <laughs> loved having you on. And I, I have to tell you, we'll tell everybody why you're here. Helena just moved to her new farm in, in Rhode Island. And That's she's in the, yeah, she's in the middle of unpacking boxes. Everything went well. The only problem she had was they had torrential rains the day they actually moved. Um, so she said it wasn't much fun there. And I know I've done that before and it's just not a lot of fun, but she's loving the new place. She says it's cute as the Dickens and that she'll have a picture or two for us to put on the show notes next week. Awesome. And I hear rain is good luck. I hear that's really good luck. It rained like the entire month before Sam and I got married and we had to actually change our whole wedding location and everything. And man, you know, years and years and years later, being married. So how long have you been married? Good luck. Gosh, we've been married. It's 12 years, and I'm maybe, no, wait a minute. Is it 14? See, that's bad. (laughs) Sam's going to be going, honey. It's the guy that's supposed to forget. I know. I know. I guess it just, it feels like forever in the most beautiful way, and um, I'm really blessed. I'm just amazed with him. Yeah, you two seem to be a good, good pair because you do the music, and he does the editing, and it just makes a good team. Well, he he does he does way more than that. Believe me, it's like unbelievable what he does. He does all of that, and I just kind of you know go, uh huh, honey, that sounds awesome, and bless your heart, and I'd be lost without you. Now he you wouldn't believe it, Glenn. He is so humble too, and you ought to hear him sing. Um, which hopefully we're going to be hearing a little bit more of him singing on this new record, featuring oh, him a little bit more. Yeah, good. amazing. Some duets. <laughs> well, not so much duets, but sort of kinda. Me, I guess, you know, kind of a different kind of a way to do a duet, I reckon. Is it tough a to Planet do a cowgirl duet? <laughs> is it tough to do a duet with your husband? No, no? easy. Okay. So easy. I was wondering yeah. about that. He's, well, I'm so in love with him, you know, so it makes it's like breathing. We have a song called Life Breathing, too, but, um, well, that's not on this record, but it's just easy to be with him because he's, well, a rock star. <laughs> well, we should tell everybody that you were on last week's show, and if you missed that episode, you should go back and take a listen to it. 
It was a. It was so much fun, and we got so much good reaction. Uh, you know, we post all our shows on on the fan page for Equestrian Collections, our sponsor, and they have over six thousand people on their fan page now. And we got so much good reaction. People love you. Oh well, thanks. I appreciate that. Well, I love all those wonderful people that have been so supportive of us. You know, we're blessed to get to do what we do for a living, and and I really want to take a sec too to. To thank you for inviting Patty Hall to oh, be on yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, she was a and, sweetheart. Yeah, she's an angel of a gal, and that On Horses Wings project is such a beautiful endeavor on her part and raising money for a little bit, you know. So I just, I really appreciate you you taking the time, having her on, and being so good to both of us. Well, we're going to have you both back again sometime, and maybe we'll add a, a musician or two, and we'll do a little roundtable with, uh, with all of you, and... and uh, uh, maybe we'll do a little jamming on a show sometime. We've never done that before. Hey, man, that sounds good to me. That sounds awesome. <laughs> you know, I used to hate it. I was in theater for a long, long time and owned an acting company, and we did Medieval Feasts, and we all used to talk in the old Shakespearean accent and, you know, did all that. And I used to hate it when people would say, well, just talk like the king, because I played the king for 10 years. You know, oh, man. You know, you'd do an interview, and they'd say, well, just talk like the king, like you can really just turn that on and off. Uh, right. You know, for me, it was a matter of once I put on the costume, I could I could do, you know, I could just fall into the accent and fall into the whole thing. But unless I had the costume on, it was tough for me. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I'm I, I think some people don't don't think so, maybe. But actually, I'm kind of shy. So, like, I've had a couple of people out on the road go, well, just just sing me like a line or two from one of your songs, you know, just kind of on the spot. And I'm I'm shy like that. Unless I'm, you know, in it and, and doing it, I'm very like, oh, really? I don't know. Uh, listen to the record. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shy. <laughs> Buy a so, CD. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. And then I, I know other people who just burst out into song. I don't know. Um, I've just kind of always been like that. But, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, different for everybody, right? Yeah, and I, I'm kind of with you. I'm on that side. You know, we're in, you know, a lot of times in groups, I won't. I just, I back off because I'm not in character. You know, I'm not in front of a microphone. I'm not in costume or whatever it is. Uh, well, and yet, like probably the same thing I know in your acting experience, it's probably, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. Cause certainly I'm not you and you're not me, but we relate um, as entertainers. And for me, the smaller the crowd, it's, it's beautiful and wonderful and so intimate and I love it, but it can be harder too because it's yes. just so much smaller and, so much more, I guess, energy focused on the performer, I reckon. And um, I love those the best because I can really interact with people and really be there and really look into their eyes. But still, it can be intimidating and scary. Well, you <laughs> so know, I still get show nerves big and, time. And there's know? something else, too. There's an energy that comes from a larger crowd. And you don't necessarily get that energy with the smaller crowd. We did comedy, so we relied on people laughing and, you know, hooting and hollering and right. carrying on when you have 12 people in the room you don't just you just don't have as much energy uh so for us it was critical that we did larger groups yeah oh that makes a lot of sense you're you're right and then sometimes i know i've been in places where it may be just a few people but i have to like act like you know i'm singing in front of ten thousand. i saw lori morgan do that once at a benefit concert um that we we opened for her it was for our humane society here in dixon and I mean, not as many people showed up as we had hoped, but we did good enough, and it was a beautiful event. But, I mean, you know, she performed in front of maybe 
100 people like there were 20,000 out there. And that's such a big deal. And I, I learned a lot watching her. Well, you know, and, it doesn't matter. And I respect that, having you know been a performer. I respect that because that shows true professionalism. It, Absolutely. That, that's the true professional right there uh, mm-hmm. that can do that. If, if You are a professional if you can do that because that's one of the toughest things to do. Because you have to bring your energy level up just like it was there were 10,000 people in the audience. And, you got it. <laughs> and that, that, is, that is a true professional. I admire that. Well, speaking of professionals, I have to tell you, I don't know about you, but we've been, we've been chatting back and forth uh, by email for the last week since we decided to do this show. And we have a fantastic show lined up. We have an amazing group of equestrians. That, and we're going to do something that we haven't really done before on the Stable Scoop show. And that's a roundtable discussion. And we really don't have a whole lot of specific topics. We're going we're gonna to open that up. There'll be various topics we talk about. But it's the panel that I'm so excited about. We have with us today yourself... Who, I, who I'm just so glad I got to meet last week, and I'm so glad you're back today co-hosting the show. And then we have a real friend of the Horse Radio Network. She's been on two different of our shows. She does tips for our Horse Tips show. She's, she is the second most downloaded show we've ever done in Stable Scoop, and that's Julie Goodnight will be joining us. Rockstar uh, cowgirl. <laughs> and you know Julie. You actually, she uses your music. She does on her Horsemaster show. I am very honored and super grateful. So, and you've met her in person, correct? Oh, yeah, several times. We've spent many, many, many times together out on the road, um, as, uh, as carnies, as we like to call ourselves, you know, out there in the horse expo world. All right, so well, we're family, I, practically. I'm going to say that you're the best-looking carnies I've ever seen. I'm going to get oh, for saying that. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? I forgot to mention this. Helena said to me after the last time she was out, you have a habit. Every time you're out... The show's filled with good-looking women. What is it with you? Because the last time she was out, I had the cowgirls on from the cowgirl radio show there. And Uh so we had three cowgirls on. And the time before that, for some reason, it was like three or four women on the show. And so she thinks there's a trend. And so I didn't want to disappoint her. Um, So we have yourself and Julie. And to round out our panel today, we have Jean Lambrecht. Is that how you say your last name, Lambrecht? I believe that is correct. I believe that's Um, correct. and Another Jean, rock star cowgirl there. Yeah, and you know Jean, right? <laughs> yeah, she's um, my dear, sweet, amazing, beautiful cowgirl sister. I love her very much. And Jean actually is a performance coach. She's a speaker, and she's a sports therapist. She works especially work, works with people on their fear of riding or if they have right. fears, competitors, serious competitors too. So she, she does a lot of different counseling type things there, therapist things. And I thought it yeah. was interesting uh, that, you know, Helena would say it's a darn good thing you have a therapist on the show when I'm not there because Glenn would need it. Um, I love so, it. <laughs> so I think that's great. And I also think it's good that with, between you, Julie, I, that we probably have a therapist on the show. That's probably a good thing. So it probably is. Well, therapists rock. So I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Jean's going to be on here too, which will be a lot of fun. But first, we have to announce everybody's been waiting to hear who won the August Horse Radio Network giveaway. We right? we chose our winners today, and we're going to announce them. And this is who won. First, we had two $50 gift certificates from Equestrian Collections, our favorite retail store. Uh-huh. You, we had two yeah. winners. Can you tell us who won? Who were the big winners? I, can, I totally can. It looks like we have beautiful Miss Christina Turner, 
um, from Star, South Carolina, looks like, and the beautiful cowgirl Judy Johnson from Normal, Illinois. Yeehaw and hallelujah, cowgirls. Congratulations. Wow, look at the name of the town, Normal, Illinois. I know, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't belong in our show. Um, (laughs) and then we had uh, 75 day uh, supply of joint armor from Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com and the winner there was drumroll please it's Jennifer Burnett from Springfield Massachusetts y'all well congratulations Jennifer and we hope you can use that joint armor and then also uh, a fantastic uh, prize from KBC Horse Supplies here in Lexington, Kentucky at kbchorsesupplies.com. It's one of their custom triple stitch halters with custom nameplate, and that's the same ones they use for all the famous racehorses here in Lexington. Buy it from KBC. And the winner of that great halter was? That is Miss Tamara Webb from, I hope I'm saying the town correctly, Loretto, Minnesota. There you go. Well, congratulations to all of you. We'll be in contact with you shortly, and we'll get your prizes out to you. I know that uh, everybody should enjoy their prizes. Uh, The Equestrian Collections gift certificates, they get to buy whatever they want. And as we know, Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. On any given day, they have over $100 million worth of products for you to choose from. And, you know, they do a lot of cool things. Gene and I have had relationships with uh, a relationship here for quite a while with Chris at Equestrian Collections. And she has developed one of the neatest things on Facebook. Her fan page has really become a place for the horse community to, to go to just discuss stuff. Uh, right. It, it, it's truly yeah. amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite impressed. Well, and we Chris heard, rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is, uh, has been on the show several times, and she'll be back here soon. As uh, Believe it or not, we're going to be coming into Christmas season, and Chris does every year for us our English gift guide for Christmas. So she'll be back for that. But right now they're getting in their fall items, their, uh, their clothing, their blankets. If you need a blanket this year for your horse, it's going to be getting chilly soon. Uh, just check out equestriancollections.com first. She has a ton of different blankets there and, and a wide selection of blankets. And, you know, if for, just for our listeners, if you spend over $120, you can get an additional $10 off by using the coupon code at checkout, and it's just, call, it's just Stable Scoop. Use the coupon code STABLESCOOP at checkout, and you'll get $10 off your order of $120 or more. That's a special offer she has just for our listeners of the Stable Scoop radio show. And that's at equestriancollections.com. Well, I'll tell you what, it's time to bring our guests on. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We just talked about who they were. I think, yeah, I don't know about you, but I think we should just get them on the line and have some fun. Sounds good to me, Glenn. (laughs) Well, hello, everybody. It's good to have you on, Julie and Jean. We're so appreciative that you've agreed to join this little experiment we're doing with this roundtable today. Good to be here. here. Well, Julie, you know, you have been a, a real friend to the Horse Radio Network, and we really appreciate it. I wanted to thank you again. Well, it's always a pleasure, Glenn. You know, Heidi, also, your 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 assistant and helper and longtime friend has been uh, doing tips for us on trail riding, and they've been well-received. So yeah. it, it's fun to deal with Heidi as well. You have a good team over there. Yeah. I love I'm Heidi, really too. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome, and, and I do. I'm really fortunate to have a good team behind me all the way around here in my business that's why i can be on the road so much when i hear you're doing some recording at the farm this week is that right 
Yes, we're filming the TV show uh, next week, just after Labor Day, and uh, we do four shoots a year, so this will be our fourth one for the year. And is it close? You're staying home for this one? Yeah, we try to film once a year here at at my place in Colorado. Um, There's never really a time of year when the weather's totally reliable, but September is about as close as you can get, so... Yeah, so we'll be filming here, and we've got all our fingers and all our toes crossed that it doesn't blow 100 miles an hour and have thunderstorms all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say that uh, I, I don't know who it is, but that's great music you have on your show. Um. <laughs> well, <laughs> we were very lucky to, uh, to find such a wonderful theme song, and aside from it being a great song that's fun to sing and fun to dance to, I love the lyrics as well. Cause I oh, I love you, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you. agree. It's being here, I, I agree. I find the, I think the lyrics are really empowering, and actually, it's because of Julie that I found out about Templeton because I had been I'm, I watched all of Julie's shows and. I kept finding myself rewinding to the beginning of <laughs> the song again. <laughs> so I finally went, okay, I'm just going to buy the CD. <laughs> oh, Jane, I love you. Man, I'm blessed. I have beautiful, wonderful cowgirls in my world here on Planet Cow. Makes me happy. Well, it, it is. I lo- the lyrics are empowering. Um, like the line, I always sat on my own horse and don't call me baby. And um, But the funny story about that is when we were first developing the show, it was actually Heidi's idea about using one of Templeton's songs because we'd known Templeton and heard her perform numerous times and loved her music. And yeah, the legalities of that got really complicated with other musicians and royalties and all of that. But my actual first choice was the Cowgirl Creed. But the producer of the show thought the lyrics were too sassy. <laughs> I don't know. When I think of Templeton, I don't think of sassy. I, you know, not in that way, anyway. Oh, I can be sassy. Oh, you don't know me well. There are some kind of sassy lyrics in there, and that's exactly what I loved about it. Besides, I, I just love the song, um, the music. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And then what happened, ultimately, is because all the other so- other songs that were in contention... There were so many other musicians on them that it just got too complicated a deal to work out. So I got to go back to my first choice, which was the sassy song. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what we should call it from now on, the sassy song. (laughs) Hey, Templeton, can you tell everybody, just for the people who have not, the few few horse people who have not seen Julie's program, which song was it that, that is on Julie's? The Cowgirl Creed. Oh, it is the Cowgirl Creed, and they can find that on which album? Um, that is on my Girls on Horse CD. Okay, good. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we heard another voice there, and that was Jean's. Uh, Jean, I'll tell you what, we just met a few weeks ago. I know that you know the other two here, but we met a few weeks ago in an interesting place, and it really leads into one of the things I wanted to start the conversation with today. We actually met because we are both administrators and help out and post things over on Equestrian Collections fan page on Facebook. 
Mm-hmm. And really, we sort of have gotten to know each other from there. And one, that leads into we're all professional horse people. We all do something different. I do radio. Uh, Julie does everything, including TV and clinics and just basically helping the horse world. Gene, you're, you're, you're helping individuals in many cases. And then Templeton's just making us all very happy. Um, But we're all in business doing it. How has new media, how has technology between Twitter and the Internet and your websites and and all that's available to us today and now Facebook with 6,000 people following on the fan page on Equestrian Collections, how has that helped develop your businesses in the last year? Julie, you, you start there? Well, gosh, you know, in, in today's business world, keeping up with the technology is a full-time job. And, again, that's why I'm lucky to have somebody on my staff that, that it, whose job it is to keep up with all that stuff. But the connectivity... <laughs> oh, you are so lucky. <laughs> yeah, the connectivity that is there with, um, you know, all the social networking and, and all that stuff. And I, I love Twitter because I... I even though I talk for a living, I'm actually a person of few words, and so Twitter fits in perfectly to my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as opposed to the blog. And I, I've been blogging for a little over a year now, and I, and I enjoy that. It's been a real learning experience for me, and occasionally I say things that have to get edited out. <laughs> you know, you get carried away thinking you're really just writing a private story, you know, and then you realize it's going out to the whole wide world, but... Um, you get sassy there, Julie, on Twitter? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I, those of you that know me know that I have kind of a dry sense of humor, um, which doesn't always carry well over to the written word. You know, sometimes it just sounds like you're a smart aleck. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Sometimes that's a good thing. It's all good, you know. Well, I got to let the you know. sassy out. <laughs> It's good to find a balance, and um, but I think just professionally um, in, in our business, because we're everything from retail sales to producing a television show to uh, a, a pretty major internet and and social networking presence. But we're doing business with big companies in the horse industries, companies that um, that do have more than one full time person doing all this stuff. So if we don't keep up with what the big company and the, the uh, commercial world in general is doing, then we're left behind. And one thing I have to say about the horse business is uh, horse trainers are a crowd that's easy to look good in front of because mm. there aren't very many horse trainers doing things like the Internet and sitting in front of a computer and writing blogs and, and uh, on Twitter and all that. So uh, one thing that we recognized was that gives us a, a leg up on um, other people that are doing the same thing. How, how do we differentiate ourselves from, you know, just another clinician or, or whatever? So, so that's how, you know, that's the way I see it. How about, how about you, uh, Templeton? Now, you're in a little bit different situation because you're a musician. You, mm-hmm. It would have been tough 10 years ago to get the kind of recognition that you've gotten now without the Internet, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, 10 years ago, I would have probably needed that, you know, the, the typical record deal to get really out to to the people. Um, but, yeah, the Internet's amazing. I and mean, I was sitting here thinking about Jean, my, my cowgirl sister, 
And, you know, I wouldn't know her had it not been for Facebook. And she's family to me now. And I know her all because of the Internet. It's kind of unbelievable, you know. And, um, yeah, I think there's no way that we could have gotten our music out as much as we've been able to um, without the Internet. And actually, another Facebook friend is the one who suggested I even do the Facebook thing and then said, you know, you can tweet and do Facebook all at the same time. And I'm like, what does tweeting mean? I don't understand. Um, but then now, you know, now that I've figured it out, and Julie, you were talking about how you dig that it's like, you know, you don't have to say it. There's not zoomed, you know, and so, you know, you don't have to say a whole bunch there. I'm backed out, and Sam totally makes fun of me. I'll sit there and tweet like lines at a time because there's not, not enough room. I'm not a good editor. I'm mm-hmm. finding actually um, was not my strong suit in college either. So, um, which I'm now finding also as I'm doing my liner notes for my new album, right? <laughs> Life on Planet Cowgirl. That's uh, another story. But anyway, but yeah, without the internet, there's no way I could be getting out to the folks that I'm getting out to and um, getting our music out to so many people. So it's a blessing. Well, of course, we wouldn't be doing anything in the Horse Radio Network if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't yeah, for the Internet and new media. <laughs> and, and that's what's really getting the word out about us and, and about the shows is Facebook and Twitter and, you know, just the conversations people are having, forums and, and things like that have really got it out there. Gina, you're, have you developed any clients through the Internet, or has that all been pretty much word of mouth? How do you develop your clients? And when we talk about clients in your case, we're talking about athletes in this case, the riders, right? Well, no, not just, um, not, I, I wouldn't say not just, you know, uh, elite level athletes. I mean, I work with a whole range of people and, uh, you know, you know, including those elite level athletes. But I work with, um, you know, the average rider as well. And, and that's, and that was something that when I started, when I came up with this idea and it came up out of demand because I had you know, been in barns and I'd watched people suffer basically, um, you know, where they had the best pack and the best gear and, and, you know, the spotless show clothing, but they were terrified to get on their horse. And, and I would look at them and I, I would know from my own background how solvable their problem was. And the more I looked around, the more it was everywhere. And, and so I was like, you know, you, there's, there's hope and there's hope for this. And so that's kind of how it started for me. And then um, there's been an extraordinary, you know, amount of word of mouth. And, but a lot of that has been through the Internet because what will be is somebody, for example, will go to my website and they'll listen to, let's say, the Jane Savoy interview. Um, that has a ton of um, tips and strategies for the fear stuff or they'll listen to the wow radio interview or whatever. And then it will give them some hook, some spark, and then they'll share it with all their friends. And then it's really interesting for me because I have some excellent um, software that will show me uh, where the people from my website are going, you know, coming from, from all over the world. And it's wild because I'll watch, oh, oh, my gosh, I'm blowing up in New York City today. Or, <laughs> or boy, there's kind of thing, you know, happening in Brisbane, Brisbane Australia. Or, and, you know, and South America has been big for me for whatever reason. And, and, but I can, see, I can actually watch it happen. I can watch people sharing it with their friends, and they tell me that, too. They'll share it with their friends, and then um, – it's kind of contagious. And the thing is, I can work with people from all over the world because what's a little unique because of the kind of thing that I work with, because it's a lot of the mental side of writing rather than teaching writing, 
um, I can do a lot of it um, through over the phone. And so uh, let's say if there's somebody in um, Montana or whatever that's struggling with these issues and there's nobody available, and I know when I struggled myself, there wasn't anybody available for me locally, uh, they can access that. And so there's been, there's been a lot of it has just been through people getting something out of what I put out there, you know, and especially like my thoughts on fear page and stuff like that, getting something from that and then sharing it with their friends. And that I would say more than anything has been the biggest draw from my business. And yes, definitely I've had um, tons of stuff from the internet. And then too, I do seminars and stuff like that. So a bunch of those, like that group of people will get together and they'll say, we want you to come to Massachusetts or whatever. And, um, and then I'll go do a seminar there. So that's kind of how it's been. It's been really amazing. I think my favorite thing, though, about um, using the Internet and social networks like Facebook is that it allows me to connect and tune in with fellow horse people who are just like me and who experience the same things and able to share what, a lot of what they don't know about that there's hope for what they struggle with. So that's what I'm loving about it. I think it's interesting, Jean, that you mentioned word of mouth because uh, the horse business has always been primarily a word of mouth business long before the internet, um, and it still is. And you'll any any marketing seminar you'll you'll uh, take on, and including you know, I and uh, I have done uh, you know making it in the horse business kind of seminars. And 15 years ago, I was talking about the importance of word of mouth and how you capitalize on word of mouth. Um, you know, how do you find a trainer? You you don't really shouldn't go to the internet and just look up trainers and then pick one. You go to the internet and you uh, or you ask your friends. You know, what I tell people with you know looking for a trainer is you really have to go by word of mouth. You have to go on personal experiences other people have had, but the internet has made word of mouth, um, you know, exponentially more powerful. Mhm. Mhm. Oh, I totally agree with you because now people are able to share that with a broader base of people all at once. I mean, that's another thing that I love about the opportunities that I have with um, the you know the, the new media that I'm able to. If I find a nugget, if I find some brilliant insight or something that I think is really helpful, I can put it out there and, like, on my fan page or whatever, and bam, it's out to 700-plus people. Or I can go to Equestrian mm-hmm. Collections and it's bam, out to 6,000-plus people. And then everybody can benefit from it right away, as it was supposed to writing, what, just 7,000 emails? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's so much easier to brag on people now and just just <laughs> click on – I. You know, or this beautiful piece of art that someone posted this morning on Facebook and go ahead and just share that with all, all your friends. It's so easy. Oh, my gosh, we got the funniest thing. Somebody posted on my Facebook page the other day a song to sing while you're sh- cleaning a gelding sheath. Oh my goodness! To the tune of Three Blind Mice, and oh, it is so hilarious! I immediately oh had to God. email it to a bunch of people. So, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Julie's being crappy again. Watch out! There's a whole new song for Templeton. She's yeah. Oh, that is 
hilarious. Oh, you could probably do a whole whole CD on that topic, uh, Templeton. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I guess you could. Yeah. Um, moving on, Clint. Um, you know, that's awesome. You, you were talking about seminars and stuff, and this is going to be a rather deep topic, but it's something that actually came up when I was talking to. Uh, Someone today, I won't mention who, we were we were recording some tips for the Horse Tips Daily Show. And he was talking about how he feels that, back to the 1800s even, how a certain amount of horsemanship that was in, ingrained into people back then because they had to ride has been lost through, through, the, through the, the 20th century there um, along the way because people didn't have to ride anymore. Do you feel, Julie and and Jean and and Templeton, that going out, we've had 20, 30 years now of uh, expos and clinics, and and we've had all of the the big names out doing them. Do you feel that we are a better horseman now as a result of all the information that's been put out there? Or have we lost some of that horsemanship that was really ingrained in people back when they had to use horses? There's a deep one for you. I don't think so. I think that what we've lost has been good riddance. And the uh, Industrial Revolution forever changed horsemanship and horse sports uh, because (laughs) they lost their utilitarian purpose. But Mm -hmm. um, to me, classical horsemanship is the root of all horsemanship. And... um, you know, although I'm considered a natural horsemanship trainer, um, I have a very strong classical background. I I learned to ride under the direction of retired cavalry officers, um, who what they taught was very classical horsemanship going back thousands of years, and it is still the fundamentals of everything. What we've um, you know. W- the trends of the last 20, 30 years has been towards um, understanding behavior and natural horsemanship, and none of that would have been possible if horses were still strictly um, work animals to us because you don't even care about that then. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you just care about getting the job done and the delivery made or the, you know, whatever, the field plowed. Um, but I think that what we lost from the um, back in the day when horses were uh, strictly utilitarian or virtually almost entirely utilitarian is we lost a lot of the brutal the brutality mm-hmm. and the uh, use them up and throw them away not that that doesn't exist today because it still does but um, you know and that opened the door for natural horsemanship which is is you know, you could might say a more holistic way of looking at the horse and respecting the animal for the animal that it is. So, yeah, I agree with Julie, and actually, I mean, you know, pretty much on all fronts. I think some of this business of, um, you know, the way it used to be. I think it's looking at it through, you know, rose-colored glasses. You know, the good old days. I, I don't, I don't think that there's, because you know, I've looked at these issues, and I don't think there's a, a lot of evidence for you know, a lot of good coming out of that, you know, there's, I mean, some of the, the standard practices of, you know, the way that horses were treated, um, before all of this, before the industrial revolution was horrible. 
And so um, I, you know, whereas, okay, yeah, now maybe not every member of my family rides and would have training or background or whatever, so I would have to start from the beginning. There's plenty of resources out there where I can get that information, but I would not sit there and imagine that all of those people who rode were great horsemen. Well, and one thing I I would add to that is that um, the pendulum has swung the other way, and as we start swinging away from that workhorse mentality, we start getting into the sort of foo-foo, you know, uh, <laughs> My horses are pets. My horses have rights. My horse, you know, uh, we start getting into the whole pet thing, which is dangerous territory for the horse industry, in my mind, because, um, and I, you know, I spend 80% of all my clinics trying to explain to people these are not dogs, these are not people, this is not your baby, it's a horse. And uh, horses are big, dangerous, and sometimes destructive animals. So um, you, you you know what I'm saying in terms of the pendulum swinging yes, the other way. They're, I think that's where I was trying to go with the question, actually, a little bit, is we've gone away from just what you said. And I, I see so many people where those horses are their kids, and they treat them like kids. And and you're right. A lot of times they end up getting hurt because of it. They're, they're just not as aware as or they should be. a horse gets ruined, uh, you know, I think that's a huge tra- tragedy. There's not a clinic that goes by that I don't see six- or seven-year-old horses that have been uh, trained by an amateur that has no... Ra- raised and trained by an amateur that has no clue what they're doing. And what could have been a really good horse is forever going to be a difficult horse because he's been he's been mishandled and he's learned from the mishandling that he's allowed to challenge riders or test riders or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, he's learned. It's usually not, uh, it's usually a host of things. So, well, you know, I think in some respects, Julie, I'm, I'm sort of between those places, you know, I think, and, on the one hand, you know, I definitely would refer to my horses as my babies. I mean, I love them. Me too, um, right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, so I'm not, you know, I can't, I can't sit there and claim that, you know, I'm all the way to that, you know, you know, to that side. However, I recognize, and I, I've done so much reading on um, horse behavior, you know, the, the, the natural way that the horses, you know, engage in the wild. And I think it's incredibly important to understand and respect a horse's natural way of being, meaning, you know, that they need a leader and you, and you have to be aware of the signals that you send them and you can't let them get away with murder because that's damaging both for, for both of you. Uh, and so that's what I'm saying. It's kind of funny. I'm sort of in between. You know, I definitely don't. Yeah, but uh, that's, that's a big difference right there, though, Jean, that you you have studied it and you do understand it. Yes, you love your horses, and, and your horses are there to give you personal pleasure. And if what gives you personal pleasure is kissing them on the mouth or whatever, <laughs> you know, giving them treats, then so be it. And, and also, you know, I grew up in this business, and, that, and I – count my lucky stars for that and I didn't grow up with horses being pets I grew up with horses being horses and and my father Mm -hmm. you know was the first horseman to influence me he's not was never a professional or anything like that but he was a very no fuss no muss these are horses 
Um, see, that's probably pets. a big, yeah, a big and difference. And we bought horses like and we me. sold horses yeah. and, you know, horses came and went. We didn't get a horse and keep it for the rest of its life. There were some horses we had all their lives, but most of them came and went as we needed a new one for, so I, when I talk to people and they say things like that, oh, I've got this horse that's inappropriate for me that's bucked me off six times and put me in the hospital twice in the last year. Um, but I would never get rid of my horse. Once I get one, I keep it for the rest of his life. That's, uh, you know, I understand where people are coming from when they say those things, but I was fortunate to, I was not brought up that way. I was brought up that there's too many good horses to mess around with a bad one, and horses can kill you. So, you know, wake up and smell the roses, and, and just because... Uh, you're not working out with this horse doesn't mean somebody else couldn't do just fine with this mm-hmm. horse. So, um, you know, that I recognize all the time that my perspectives are very different from having grown up in the horse business than uh, somebody who's coming to it as an adult rider or coming back to it as an adult rider like we're dealing with so much today. It's funny here. Julie, um, I'm sorry, Glenn, did I just interrupt you? No, go ahead. No, well, I'm, it's, interesting hearing all that because Jean, what you said I think I'm you know I certainly more fall in the middle of the road and and for me like Julie you know you being I guess just folks raised differently and for me horses have always been you know I'm I'm the the quintessential cowgirl girl that you know my horses were my best friends um growing up that's all I knew them as they were just another member of the family to me and my therapists and got me through things that, you know, I probably could never have gotten through on my own. That's for dang sure. And um, so, yeah, I'm one of those that they're my children. Um, in fact, I'm just sitting here, you know, listening to y'all talking and I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing them running up and and just like my babies, you know, so I'm, well, they're not I'm on that room, side of it. A good sign. No, they they would be. Uh, they would come in. I was going to say, they probably would be. Oh, yeah. oh you know it. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, though, I'm, I'm, thinking about what Jean said, too, and, and thank God, because of the Internet and because of, you know, networks like RFD TV, right, Julie, with your show, Horse Master, mm-hmm. and there's so much more knowledge out there that certainly mm-hmm. when I was growing up and riding, I didn't have that knowledge. And, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. gee, I got hurt a lot, and, and still when I get hurt, I always point the finger right at myself, and it's always my fault, total human mm-hmm. error, um, in my opinion. Um, but there's so much more knowledge, and thank God for that. Thank God for those networks out there that are offering it. Thank God for the Internet. Um, so there's, Thank God yeah, for the Horse Radio Network. Spectrum. Just to throw that in there. <laughs> and thank God for Glenn and the Horse Radio Network, because there is so much knowledge. And, I, yeah, and, and it's a blessing because... It's a it's a it's a new day, you know, and thank God for the natural horsemanship movement. I'm all about it. We gotta treat these babies right. And I'm convinced, I gotta say this, that in my opinion, horses are smarter than we are because they have four feet on the ground, just two. That's just where I stand. <laughs> but that's just me. Well and they have there us some feeding really them and pampering them and all of that too. I mean that makes them pretty smart in my book. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Well, I did want to give some support to something that Julie did say, and then I want to make it clear that I I support very strongly a piece of, um, well, a lot of it, but um, this bit about people who um, orient towards their horses, first of all, as people, not orienting towards their horses as a horse, because, you know, horses as at least this group knows, you know, think and experience the world differently. They, they require a different kind of social structure. They interpret our behaviors differently because we're a different species. 
um, I think that people who orient towards their horses as other people and are, you know, doing the kind of thing that Julia just referred, you know, talking about basically in, indulging them and not, you know, understanding, interpreting, and respecting um, the what they require in terms of interaction right. and setting boundaries. I think it damages horses. I think it damages people. And then people are going, well, I don't know. I just have a crazy horse. And it's like, no, you don't have a crazy mm. horse. You made this horse crazy. You know? Right. <laughs> you no know, one's doing the horse a disservice. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, well, but yeah. So I want to make it clear, though, that I really strongly support that. You know, um, with, well, you know, setting I think boundaries. a happy medium, and that's what you just stated earlier, Jean, was that, yes, I can love my horse, and I can... Uh, be his best friend and all that, but I have the power of understanding horse behavior and being able to alter my thinking to the nature of the horse and not try to make the horse be, um, have the nature of the human and fulfill some, some other role that he's incapable uh-huh. of. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I'm you, like with, you know, Julie, I'm, I'm one of those folks who, you know, I, I'm not a, as we know, right? I'm a singer-songwriter and a girl who's crazy about horses. I'm not a trainer by any stretch, ever will be. But bless Jane and Bo's hearts, my my children, my big kiddos, I'm all they've had, you know, um, except for the the wonderful times that I've gotten to to ride with incredible people like yourself, Miss Julie, um, getting to do that on that episode that one time, you know, and, and mm-hmm. other amazing horse people that I've been blessed to to spend time with. But it's me, you know, working with them, and boy, you know, I have moments where that shows up and kind of blows up in my face sometimes because, you know, because sometimes I forget that I need to be the leader, you know, that it's going to keep me and my baby girl, Jane, safe on the road when we're out performing. I know she needs me to be a leader, and believe me, I'm so well aware of that, and I guess sometimes I just have to hear it over and over and over again because it's the best thing for both of us. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me. You know, it's really hard because she's my, my baby, but at the same time to keep her safe. I have to always look at it that way. It's like I want to keep her safe when she and I are out performing, both of us safe. So I've got to be. I've got to not be a passenger. <laughs> I've got to be driving and a leader, and it's way more fair to her than just – I don't know, than just, well, being a passenger, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she's happier. And she's happier, but I'll tell you, it is tricky because she is, maybe, you know, so performing sometimes. <laughs> and oh, well, she's thing, you know, yeah. and so it is it is tricky. It is very tricky, and I, I know that I mess up left and right with her, and that's when I'm so grateful. They're so unconditional. Thank God for that. <laughs> Hey, Unconditional indifference. That's what, <laughs> that's what, that's what I heard about a horse that I I feed him. I work hard so I can pay the board. I buy the best blanket. I buy the best bit. I got a new saddle, new pad. I do all this stuff, and for what I get in return from that from my horse is his unconditional indifference. <laughs> it makes that makes uh, makes kind of makes horses and cats a lot alike, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know how the, this is totally off the point, but you know how cats and horses are alike. Um, yeah. Or I should say, different from dogs. I mean, cats are solitary hunters; they don't rely on other cats to get their food, and horses don't rely on other horses to get their food. Mm-hmm. They can be just fine in that department if you'll just turn them loose. Um, what horses are reliant on the herd from is for safety and comfort 
And that's why when you show that leadership to that horse and you keep him safe and make him comfortable, then he does respect your authority and and he respects you as the leader because that's the leader's job. So it, it, it is. We laugh about cats, but that uh, that's why dogs are different than cats as well. Dogs hunt in packs. Dogs are reliant on the herd for their food. Um, so they just have that different perspective than a horse does. Uh-huh. Well, and it's a very different mentality, too, because they're um, prey animals. And so their orientation is very different as opposed to, you know, the human, which, I, you know, I'd say is more along the line of a predator. And, um, you know, that whole prey animal perspective is that, you know, hyper, which, which kept, kept them alive for, you know, all these years and, and helped them survive is this, you know, hyper awareness and sensitivity to, you know, possible danger and all of those things. And understanding that, you know, the ways in which we engage with them on, um, you know, what they need from us is different from what we need from each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, that didn't make any sense at all. Yes, it did, actually. And, and oh, yeah. I just wanted to say that I know a lot of humans that are indifferent, too. But that's a different topic altogether. Hey, uh, Gene, you had sent a suggestion that I wanted to follow up on being a horse husband. I picked right up on this one. Um, you... you you had sent a suggestion for a topic today, balancing riding with everything else, uh, i.e. spending too much or too little time at the barn, problems, guilt that can arise from this, and not to mention divorces and everything else. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about that. How do you balance, how do you balance the horse world, and, and you know, especially for Julie, I mean, it must be really tough for you. How do you balance that, still stay married, still have a happy relationship, and you know, how do you accomplish that goal? Is this question for me? Ah, for anybody. Okay. Um, well, I'll take it then for right now. You, um, you go, girl. Yeah, <laughs> nobody else was jumping <laughs> in. <so. laughs> All right. Um, I, you know, one thing that I'm extraordinarily blessed by is that I, my boyfriend is a horse guy. Uh, he loves horses almost as much as I do. And so that is totally how I get out of it, (laughs) because, you know, time with our horses is time spent together, and um, I'm really fortunate for that. Uh, But, you know, not everybody has that blessing, and um, it's, you know, what I really see is I see it in the extreme. People who spend way too much time with their horses and, and, and at the barn and all that, so where their husband barely sees them and their kids are jealous. Or I see the people who have their horses and love their horses and pay their board, but barely see them because that's time that's taken just for them. And it's like a lot of things that people do. They will put themselves to the back of the list, especially women, mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. of the list. Particularly and, women. Yeah, that's right. And, and not take that time. And I think I almost, you know, I almost see that more is those people who, and, and then they feel tremendous, you know, they, they feel guilt and they're, and they're stressed and they're not getting what they need you know, from, for themselves. I know for my own self that horses for me, time spent with horses throughout my life has been the one thing where I could go to and it would allow me to completely release everything else because horses are so present and they, and they require me, they engage me to be present because if I'm anywhere else, they let me know I'm anywhere else. And so it allows me to sort of just let go of everything and just to be there. And 
and unload like a ton of stuff. It's so crazy because I could be, you know, stressed out of my gourd. <laughs> I go out and I hang out with my horses and it's almost magical. It's like, poof, it's gone at the end. I'm like, and I don't even realize it because they require me to be with them. And therefore I can't sit there and mull about, you know, um, you know, my brakes are, you know, my car aren't working or whatever, you know, I can't sit there and mull about the things that I'm worried about because they make me be with them. And so I think it's, it's very self-nurturing. And, um, and I think that's a, just a general you know problem for a lot of people. And it's, creating that time and communicating that need for that to loved ones and scheduling it and then honoring that. Absolutely. Well, and Jean, I mean, the whole therapy thing, right? I mean, my God, that's, that's why horses are such amazing facilitators in equine assisted psychotherapy and EGALA certified work. It's incredible how they can, they know what you need, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they just know it. They know it just, instinctively it is unbelievable I can be having the worst day um and just which you know I don't luckily have too many bad days I feel so blessed with my life but everything changes it's that it absolutely changes I just look outside and see him and I'm and I'm healed it's all good um so I'm blessed by that every day but I, I did have a funny thing to say that you know how I balance um how Sam helps me balance he doesn't let me have a light out in the arena so I can't be out there. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Sean and I are cut from the same mold. When we built our indoor arena, uh, my husband uh, actually bought, went to an auction and bought these huge lights uh, for the arena. Oh. And I put my foot down and I said, absolutely not. We'll, there there oh, will not be lights that? in the arena. Yeah, yeah. So we still have this beautiful indoor arena, but I refuse to put lights in it. <laughs> I guess there's a trick there. I know because Sam, we're all, Sammy and I are always joking about that. I'm like, honey, someday though, indoor riding arena, studio, like big loft studio with big windows, and I can be riding, and you just holler at me when it's time to do vocals, and then perfect. I mean, talk about best of both worlds. Just got to get independently wealthy and work on it. <laughs> well, you know, well, I was fortunate, and I, I was already pretty entrenched in the horse business when I met my husband and um, seven years later we got married so it wasn't like he didn't understand what the deal was Uh, but he wasn't in two horses at all when we met I met him through skiing and oh yeah and um, he's part owner and CEO of a ski resort so that's our our other passion but um, he did get into horses and now he shows he does his own thing I try to join him when I can but I'm that's not very often but he totally does his own thing and women ask me all the time how'd you get your husband into horses and my standard reply is be very careful what you wish for exactly <laughs> <laughs> because is that uh, all happened for you Glenn too I, uh, <laughs> yeah I actually married into it I didn't know a thing about horses I grew up in Amish country so the only thing I knew is we had to pass him on the road all the time and it drove me insane <laughs> uh, but that's the only thing I knew about horses. So when I met my wife, she was an eventer and a, a, a pony clubber, and she, she had a barn and a stable and boarding stable and everything. So I got it. I got thrown into it. Um, and then eventually, you know, I went through, you know, I can honestly say I went through all the emotions, especially when we were first dating and all of that stuff. Because, you know, I was 20-some years old. I didn't know. And all I knew is I wasn't getting to spend time with her. And she was out there with the horses. And I think probably every relationship that finally makes it then in the end, 
every relationship that makes it, the guy, if he was in our position, like your husband, Julie, and me, is you do go through all of those emotions along different stages. By the way, then I got into driving horses. Then eventually I owned more horses than she did. So it wow. it swung the other way a little bit. Then I couldn't use all those excuses anymore. And <laughs> I lost a lot of my leverage, actually. Uh, <laughs> so I think, though, that the ones of us who get into it that were not involved before and married into it, we do, even if you date for a long time like that, he probably went through a lot of the same emotions I did and every other horse husband does. Um, it, it is. And then you get through it and then you get to a point where you realize, and I think there's a point where this happens. There's a day you wake up and go, oh, if she doesn't get her horse time, it's worse for me <laughs> than, than if we're spending oh time God, together. Yes, like, go go ride. Exactly. Well, well I think it's a little you know, bit different yeah, yeah. Um, for me because it's my job. It's the way I make a living. And I make a pretty decent living, which pro- in part provides us with this really nice place that we live and, and horses that we enjoy. Um, so he couldn't really begrudge me going to work too much. And that was my thing about not having lights in the indoor arena. I don't want to work at night. I, I work all day. And... Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, Dean, earlier when you were talking, I was just thinking about um, just take a typical woman and she's got, you know, three kids in junior high and high school and a husband and she's a homemaker and she's into horses and she boards her horse someplace and she's got kids to take the soccer and football and whatever, go on and on and then get home and run a household and, and provide food and laundry and all that stuff for a family of five or whatever how could you possibly have time for horses you know but um but then i go into a lot of barns that are full of boarders that fit into that category and about 10 o'clock in the morning you know they're all down there having a grand old time and um you know so they find it but they do have to you do have to be willing to make time for number one yeah, that's exactly it. You have to create that time because it's kind of like, well, where does that same lady have time to um, work out or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that time has to be created. And I did, I did have to give my my dentist a shout out about this because about the business of um, you know horse um, partnership because he did not ride when I met him, and um, right after our first date, he signed up for riding lessons, <laughs> and now he's a whole old player. Oh my God, Gene! I didn't realize. So he has ten he, horses. And, and yeah, and now we have. Well, now we have five. And now, see, this Saturday, I lost him to polo. Yes, he wasn't playing polo. And now there's no room for yours. Yours are out. Well, they always. I have always heard. I've always heard the saying that if women, either your horses get into horse, your horse husbands get into horses, or they better play golf. It's one or the other. They have to have their own hobby to occupy their time, you know, or skiing or whatever it is. But if they don't have a hobby is when I've tended to see them have problems in their marriage is if the horse husband has nothing else except the wife who, who has a hobby. That, and that could probably be true the other way or with any sport or, or avocation that takes a lot of time. Well, okay. I, I don't know. I uh, golf is the only sport that takes more time than horses. That's true. As far as I <laughs> probably can costs my more. husband, <laughs> when we met, my husband was an obsessive golfer and like watched watch the golf channel at 3 o'clock in the morning and stand in front of the uh, window practicing his golf swing and watching his reflection and just crazy obsessive about golf. And then 
a real funny thing happened. We were in Kauai, and um, I do a lot of clinics over there, and I was doing clinics, and a real dear friend of mine who's a, a trainer over there and a rancher, um, he put my husband up on a cutting horse, and he gave him a private lesson, and he pretended to be the cow and, you know, got down on the ground, and, and uh, they did some cutting exercises, and Rich was just smitten with cutting. And then what happened simultaneously was I had we were in Kauai for a week and some of the best golf courses in the world, and Rich had brought his uh, revered set of golf clubs with him, but he didn't play golf the whole week we were in Kauai because he went and rode this cutting horse every day. <laughs> And then, Good choice. Uh, then we, when we yeah. went from Kauai to Maui, I had a clinic that next weekend in Maui. And on our flight from Kauai to Maui, which is like about a 10-minute flight, you know, you get up and then you land, um, his golf clubs disappeared never to be seen again. <laughs> oh, my God. It was and a sign. I jokingly told him that the golf gods were mad at him because he went to Hawaii <laughs> and didn't play golf, and he rode horses every day. Um, and ultimately, when it, you know, months later, it became obvious the airline had permanently lost his club, and he got a, a check. They reimbursed him for the full value of the clubs, which was a lot. Um, and then he bought a he saddle, did. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that was his transformation into horses. And I'll wow. tell you the truth. He did not pick up a golf club for three or four years. Wow. And he's just now, this was about five years ago, he's just now this summer started going to the driving range. And now I'm worried that he's going to fall back into his obsession that <laughs> we'll have to put his horse, his horse in mothballs. <laughs> But yeah. he's such a you nice know, I think, guy. Um, <laughs> I think Julie's uh, story may uh, set up a string of uh, golf club theft. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we are plain running out of time, believe it or not. But there is one. Wow. I got an email from a girl who's 15 years old, and she wanted. Uh, she knew that we were doing this show from Facebook, actually. And she had a question that she wanted to ask, and I thought we'll just spend a minute or two on her question. She basically was a long email. She basically said she boards her horse, and there's people at the barn who do not treat the horses well. And she was wondering, it's driving her insane, and she's wondering, how do you handle other people at the barn who don't treat their horses nicely? And, you know, basically what she was saying without being shunned out of the barn. And that's a tough one. I don't know that, you know, I'd love to hear your opinions, but I owned a boarding stable where, you know, we... You know, you, you, that stuff just does happen, and, and it's tough. Well, um, I, first of all, I think that the, in a boarding stable situation, that the tone of that environment is set at the top. And I, every barn I walk into, and that's a lot of barns throughout the year, has an atmosphere and a culture, which is pretty immediately palpable to me. And um, so I would... You know, that's the first thing I would say. I would look to what's going on at the top and the way that facility is being run. And if it's not acceptable, um, I'd I'd go somewhere else. But um, the other thing, you know, my husband says to me all the time, he's kind of gotten over it now, but we'll be at a horse show or something or anywhere where horse people are and somebody will be doing something really stupid. 
um, and or abusive or whatever, dangerous. And Rich will look at me and say, aren't you going to say something? And I say, no, I, absolutely not. If somebody asks me for my help, I will, I will give it and then some. If, if you ask me for my opinion or you ask me to help you with your horse, um, no holds barred. You'll get all the help you want. But I have learned, like most trainers have, don't offer help unless it's asked for because um, somebody has to be in the right frame of mind to receive your advice. And um, unless they are asking for it and have reason to respect it, you're just sort of asking for a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately, that's true. But the other thing that I say all the time to people, and, and here's an area where this comes up a lot, is, uh, for instance, uh, I talk a lot about being careful at feed time for not let, allowing your horse to display aggressive behaviors and just don't feed them when they're acting that way. But if you're at a boarding stable, what do you do? Well, what I would do is go to my website and print out an article on that subject written by a third party who's, uh, you know, a professional and say, hey, I found an interesting article here. This might help with the way these horses are acting bad at feed time. Why don't you read the article? Um, so you just go find some independent information and uh, leave it in their tech trunk or whatever. So you mm-hmm. can find ways to educate people. And I think I'll throw in here, having owned a large boarding stable too, there are people that that you get in that hide very well from the owners or the operators of the stable. Uh-huh. I would suggest that she talk to the owners or the operators of the stable and explain her concerns. If 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 it is a truly top-down situation like you're talking about, Julie, nothing will happen um, mm-hmm. and nothing will change. And if that's the case, then, yeah, go go take a look somewhere else. But we have had situations in our barn where we didn't know that this stuff was going on. They hid it very well from us. Um, mm-hmm. And then once we were aware and we watched a little closer, we saw it and we, we, the, the problem moved. Um, so, you know, moved on to somebody else's stable. Mm-hmm. So, so it's worth a try that way. If you have a good so relationship, it, the bottom line is it's not her job, especially being a child to resolve this issue or confront, um, the, the people in question, right. that's, you know, what you're saying is that's the job of the person that manages the facility. And if it's a decent facility, they'll be on it like white on rice. Right. Because exactly. And in a, and in, in a couple of those cases, we just weren't aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, guys. One, Go ahead. Okay. Jean. Uh, the one thing I was going to say is is that, you know, um, what Julie was saying about, you know, sometimes it can be just starting a fight, you know, piping up and, and bringing those things up. One thing um, that I found very helpful, and it was probably one of the best things I ever learned in dot school, was I was uh, talking about a client with a supervisor and, uh, the supervisor said, if you could say anything to that person, what would you say? And of course, you know, you have that answer right there. Like, you know, why are you with this guy? You know, <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever it is, the impulse that you want to say. And he goes, good. Now find a way to say it so she can hear it. And that guideline has been incredibly helpful for me uh, mm-hmm. because usually there's a way to say it if you can reflect on it, but it can be heard. Now, I'm not saying, you know, again, because what, you know, Julie's saying this person is, you know, 15 years old and it's not her responsibility to be doing these things, but as a general guideline when you're trying to communicate um, something that's difficult, it, that little exercise I found to be really helpful. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. 
All right, guys. Well, we have to wrap it up. We're running out of time. Uh, yeah, we'll give some uh, contact information here. Jean, what's your website and Twitter and all that stuff? Uh, my website is www.jeanlambrecht.com. It's J-E-A-N-N-E-L-A, Amazon Mary, B-R-E-C-H-T. Uh, my Twitter is uh, the same thing, basically, because at Jean Lambrecht. Um, same thing. I have a Facebook fan page as well. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Good. And Julie? Well, I'm at juliegoodnight.com and um, Twitter slash juliegoodnight.com and YouTube and Facebook and all those other things as well. So pretty easy to find. Yeah, Julie's everywhere. And and all over the Horse Radio Network, I might add. And then T- Templeton, uh, uh, we'll mention you're going to stay with me here for a couple of minutes as we wrap up the show. Uh, we appreciate Absolutely. we appreciate everybody else being on, Gene and Julie. This has been fun. I think it was a great idea, and just some deep, deep, serious thought uh, going on here, uh, which is good. And I think. some less than deep. <laughs> <laughs> Some happiness. That's a good thing. And I, I just got to say, oh, man, I'm happy. Joy, joy, joy. My bow just came flying up through the pasture. Man, ain't nothing like it. We're blessed, aren't we? Our baby. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell, I got to quickly just say um, to Jean and, and Julie, I just love y'all. And, and I'm just really blessed to have you as friends. And I'm just really glad that we all know each other. So thanks for, for joining us today. This has been a real treat. And I'm looking forward to seeing you both down this beautiful, wonderful road really soon, okay? I love y'all. Thank you so much. Love you back. Hey, we'll be right back here with Templeton and I to to finish out the show. We have a couple other things to talk about, but if it's okay with you guys, I thought I would take us out with, uh, if it's okay with you, Templeton, how about I take this segment out with the Cowgirl Creed? Oh, sweet. The sexy song. Okay. (laughs) She said I can do that. It wouldn't take nothing but a whole lot of heart, iron will, and gumption. I'll just use what the good Lord gave me. So don't call me honey, and don't call me baby. Don't call me baby. I ride high in the saddle, on the saddle, my. Well, this has been a great deal of fun, uh, Templeton. It's been, you know, it's like good friends sitting around the tack room, drinking hot chocolate and talking about horse stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's what this show was really meant for. And, you know, the Stable Scoop show is still the most popular one on the network over the World Equestrian Games show and eventing and dressage and horse tips. Stable Scoop has always in the year we've done this been the top one. And, And one of the recurring themes that we hear is that it's conversation. Helena, I got to give credit to Helena, too. She's just, she's fantastic as an as a uh, co-host. Um, she's awesome. You yeah, know, she's she awesome. says what she thinks. You know exactly where Helena's at all the time. She's passionate about things. And she's just a good compliment to me. 
And I just love doing this show with her. It's a highlight of my week every week. And one of the other things that people say in every email I get about the Stable Scoop show, why they listen, is it's fun, it's funny, and entertaining. And I think we should end with some entertainment. I said all of that just to get to this, uh, <laughs> that we should end with some entertainment. Why don't we end with one of your songs? What do, what do, what do we want to play? Um, how about a little bit of the uh, sketches version of Life on Planet Cowgirl? What do you think? Life on Planet, isn't that? And that's the new CD you're working on, right? Yeah, yeah. The fully produced one is, um, she'll be out, oh, by the end of September. We are diligently working away. <laughs> so it'll be ready for Christmas? Oh, yeah. Ready for Christmas. show. All right. Well, we do our Christmas episode of gift buying episode. We're going to have to make sure it's one of our recommendations then. Oh, man. That would be awesome, Glenn. Thank yeah, we're going to put it on the list oh, for sure. So this is this, the song is called Life on Planet Cowgirl, right? You got it. All right. Well, Templeton, it's been a joy. Until we meet Thank again you. next week, everybody, we'll be back with Helena, and we'll have Templeton on sometime again soon. And here's Life on Planet Cowgirl. Making sure you make the most of every breath you take Knowing that today ain't just another day going by It's living every moment in the here and now Knowing that there's blue skies back behind the clouds Never saying never cause that just ain't how you Life on planet cowgirl I'm grateful every day That I get to call in my world Cause there ain't no better place For fearlessly fly